Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengel, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. We are tingling with electricity because we are so excited. We've had racing at Coda. One of our favorite drivers on the planet just won the IndyCar race. Formula One is in action. Big weekend, wasn't it? It was oh, a huge yeah. weekend. And the studio is like 47 degrees, so we're all... <laughs> hey, it's we're not, not raining. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it's not raining, absolutely. So, yes, you're listening to Speed City. We are in Austin, Texas, where there was some racing out at Coda this weekend. And let's talk about what we got, because we got Alexander Rossi on the show, exclusive interview. We just finished it up. We're going to play that here in a minute. And he won in IndyCar at Watkins Glen. Very exciting. And we're going to talk Formula One. We've got Inga. And and I'll tell you, I had a neat compliment, I'll have to say, is that somebody was... Yeah, talking to me, he said, I like when Alexander Rossi's on y'all's show because y'all have known him so long and it's yeah. it's different than you get with everybody else. So I thought that was, I'm going to take that as a compliment. That is very true. We've known Alexander Rossi since we were driving across Congress Avenue at a speed that I cannot say in a caterum with him at the wheel. <laughs> well, it didn't last that long because well, he, 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 he was so heavy-footed, he broke the accelerator cable. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's when we left left less on the side of the road with Rossi to fix the car. And we if you're going to leave someone. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Got it fixed. And she may, he Came may never with... have won the 500 were it yeah. not for Les yeah. that morning at Ben White. Ben White and South Made Congress. it into the studio a bit disoriented I, I and heat I think, stroke. seriously, if he goes on to be a, you know, if there's a brass statue outside the Indy 500 one day, you should say, you know, I was there. Well, you know, okay, so funny. So we're in line at the 100th parade, the staging of all the pace cars. You and know, indeed. they have the drivers on. And I met uh, the woman, Miss Leslie, that was going to drive his parade car. And they sit on the rear deck. The drivers do. And so I'm standing there and Rossi is there with his buddy and, you know, another friend sitting on the rear deck. And I said, don't worry, Alexander. I've already talked to her and told her, you know, we don't have to worry about breaking an accelerator cable because this one drives by wire, the new Camaro. It's where you're all good to go. And he just laughed and he goes, you had to go there, didn't you? I said, definitely had to go there. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, all right, well, let's go ahead and play this interview we did with Alexander Rossi just, I don't know, maybe a half hour ago. He was just finishing up his press tour and we caught up with him. Very excited. Alexander Rossi. Alexander hey, Rossi, we are standing up and doing a round of applause. Hey. Thank you. Yeah. Keep standing. Right, we will, we will, we will, we will. All righty. First and foremost, congratulations, uh, because I know that this is, well, you've wanted it, you always want to win, but I know that, that, that you wanted to win sort of outright against the toughest of competition, and I know you've got a soft spot for Watkins Glen, so it just seemed like everything fell into place today. Everything did fall into place, and, and it didn't at the same time. It was very <laughs> reminiscent of the, the 100th Indianapolis 500. So we, in the first stop, we had a fuel issue, didn't get all the fuel in the car, and had to come back in even though we were we were leading and we were by far the quickest car on the track. So we had to come in about 10 laps early, um, which obviously was really 
detrimental to us. But then two laps later, we got a yellow, which we needed. So it all ended up working out in the end. Um, and just a huge shout out to the whole Andretti Autosport team for for making the right calls and, and giving me a race car that I was obviously able to, to challenge Scott Dixon with at the end. All right, I forget who it was that came on, one of the other winners that came on and said, we thought we were going to have to Rossi it. <laughs> <laughs> it's you become a verb. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but in all seriousness, um, it really was, I mean, all through the weekend, I mean, pole position, um, you know, every everything, you know, forget the fuel thing, which you recovered from brilliantly, uh, but you've got to feel really satisfied. I mean, you know, it was man oh man at the end. Uh, Scott Dixon's won the damn thing four times there. He's in the championship hunt. You know, he could have done with the points and he certainly wasn't holding back. It was funny when you came out, I don't know how aware you and your team were, but I'm sure you were, but you almost had identical amount of push to pass. In fact, you had more in reserve than he, he did, um, but he used every inch of it. Did you? <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I, I had probably 10, 15 seconds left at the end, but, um, yeah, I mean, we were, we were good on fuel at that point. We knew that, that we had a bit of an advantage on him just cause I was, I had clear track and, and we had been stronger through the race. So, you know, I was pretty confident taking the green and the first two laps, like I pushed pretty hard, but he stayed with me. So I was like, Oh, okay, well it's going to be like that. So I had to <laughs> dig pretty deep and, and we traded fastest lap back and forth, but at the end of the day, like I said, I mean, the, the Napa Auto Parts and Ready Honda was, was strong since we rolled off on Friday. We were never out of the top five in any session, and it was just one of those weekends where, uh, as a racing driver, you dream about. Alex, I know that, you know, you, you won the Indy 500 last year, and you've just got to be, you've been really close the last few weeks, and you probably knew this was coming, but tell me how this is different. Your first win outside the Indy 500, this has just got to be so huge for you. It is. I mean, it's, it's validation for the whole team. I mean, I've been saying for, for the whole year how much better Andretti Autosport is and how much more competitive we are, but we didn't have the results on paper to, to show it. And, and that was really, you know, weighing us down. But, you know, we, we've had a lot of, mo of positive runs and good momentum, and we've been at the sharp end the kind of the last four or five races. So we knew that, you know, our time was ticking down to get a win in 2017. So I think the whole team's just relieved we were able to do it. And and um, do it in the way that we did, uh, obviously proving that, you know, we could win outright and, and on pace against Scott, who's who's one of the best around here. So that was that was all very, very satisfying. We'll enjoy it, um, you know, this evening. But come tomorrow morning, we've we've got to focus on Sonoma. I mean, it's a double points race. It's is mathematically important as the Indy 500. So there's a there's a lot of work to be done still. I was going to say, in, in that respect, mathematically, I know it, it's a bit of a, an outside chance, but mathematically, you could still win this thing. And I suppose in some ways, you go into Sonoma with really no pressure on. Uh, you've got a win under your belt now already. Um, how do you play Sonoma? Are you going to go for it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I Sonoma was our best race outside of, of uh, Indianapolis and Pocono, so the super speedways last year. So with the advancements and improvements we made in, in car development and setup, you know, the Sonoma will be strong for us again. So, you know, that was always the one I was looking at as the one that I was hoping to win. So to, to get Watkins Glen and get that done and, and tick that box, really, as you said, there's no pressure. I mean, yeah, mathematically I'm in it. I'm not even considering the championship. I just want to go try and win, win at home. Uh, I have a lot of friends and family coming out to that one and uh, it's a track that I love so I know we'll be fast and hopefully we can we can deliver again yeah maybe not mathematically in the championship but I bet you, you to me you're one of got to be one of the favorites going into the race because you you did so well and you've been doing so well and coming off of a win you know nothing like confidence of a win to 
to boost the next chances. So I, I think that you got to be considered one of the favorites. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we'll we'll see uh, in about a week and a half. Alex, I got to ask you because you know we've known you since you were, you know, back in back in your single seater days for Formula One and, and on the European tracks, and 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 there's always that comment about uh, Formula One drivers making the adjustment to oval racing, and they always say, oh, you know, it takes a lot of time. You, I mean, Townsend Bell, you won't be aware of this, but said in commentary that what he was particularly pleased about today was that you won on a road track, but he considers you to be one of the top oval drivers now in the series, um, which is high praise from someone like Townsend. So do you feel the same way, that you've already conquered that kind of thing that everybody says is, is so hard to do? Yeah, I, I mean, I think we're close. I, I, the super speedways is... is very comfortable for me now and i feel that you know if we have a good car we can challenge for a win on on any of the speedways and in any given circumstance the short ovals are still pretty hairy and and chaotic um but yeah i mean i think we're we're good on the ovals no doubt um but always there's there's stuff to learn and improvements to be made and with a new car coming on board next year it's gonna level the playing field out a little bit and and uh, we'll get to see you know, firsthand who, who comes out of the box the strongest, and uh, hopefully hopefully it's us. You know, Alex, not long ago, I guess about a year and a half ago, you were here in Austin, you were uh, before the F, one of the F1 races, I guess it would have been 15, and, and you know, you were kind of up in the air. It's like, what's going to happen? Where am I going to go? You know, because F1 was not, there was not a clear path, and I, this right now, on top of the Indy 500 win, this now, and where everybody's looking at you now, this is... This is just a huge turn from where you were. I mean, describe what that feeling between now and back then. Yeah, I mean, obviously in 15, we were we were looking at having a contract in, in F1 with Manor in 2016, and and um, that didn't come together. It was a very last-minute thing where we found out that wasn't going to be the case in February, and fortunately, um, the stars aligned, and, and Michael Andretti and, and Brian Hurd of Autosport were, were, were adding another car to the Andretti Autosport organization. So... That was kind of a, a lifeline, if you will. Then we went on to win the 500. We had Napa come on board for that weekend, so they continued on through um, 2017 and have extended their role into 2018 and 2019. So, yeah, definitely it's been a pretty big turn of events, and I feel very fortunate to, to have been in that position in February to have the opportunity to come drive for you know, one of the best teams in the series uh, at the beginning of last year. Uh, Alexander, yeah, so proud to say we knew you win. But, uh, you know, one of the things that came up that I thought was really interesting is we talked about, or on the uh, commentary, we heard something about Watkins Glen is one of your absolute favorites. Uh, just, uh, I guess it was historically and features. What is it specifically that makes that track stand out for you? Um, I mean, it's just very smooth, fast, high grip, high commitment, um, very much like a European track. So, for me, it was everything that I was dealing with second nature around here, whereas on some of the the older road courses or super bumpy street tracks, it's still uh, pretty pretty far from what I knew or know. So this one was, uh, I know how to drive these tracks, and um, I love coming here. And it's a, this place is an IndyCar at its absolute best. So it's a, it's a privilege that we as the Rising IndyCar Series get to come here, and hopefully we'll be here for, for many years to come. Sounds like a good, comfortable pair of boots <laughs> uh, yeah and we're excited yeah. because we've got so many young americans now with yourself uh, obviously joseph uh, kimball's starting to show good too um it's it's a really good era i mean we've still got the old guys who are, are very fast castro nevers obviously um but it's you know it's it's starting to really look good for the future you must be pleased that you've arrived when you've arrived 
Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we we need American young Americans in the front, and uh, you know Scott and uh, you know Will. They're not going away anytime soon. So <laughs> you know we got our work cut out for us. But obviously Joseph's leading the championship, which is which is pretty awesome. And uh, hopefully you know this is just the beginning of something pretty great over the next decade or so. Well, well I, go ahead, I, Les. No, I th- I think it's fantastic. But I got to ask. I mean, knowing who you know, knowing what you know already coming this far. Uh, Fernando Alonso made a comment today, <laughs> and I, I want to get your perspective. Basically, it was uh, pointing towards your team about uh, what might happen with the engines, and it's obvious he's paying a lot of attention to your team. What uh, you have any whispers to tell us about what y'all have heard about what he's going to do next year? He's obviously thinking of some changes. I, I mean, I have no idea. I would I would be very surprised if he were to come into car racing. However, if he was. Um, I'd love it, and I think he'd add a lot to the sport. Yeah, that's quite true. Well, my, my thoughts are there is going to be something IndyCar in his plan next year. All right. Huh? Maybe okay. again there's, like there's we saw room, this year. There's room for him. Yeah. <laughs> well, Alexander Rossi, we want to thank you for coming on the show, but we're letting us be a part of your story. Your yeah. story. I mean, we've been with you, following you, and having you on the show. I don't know if you recall. We have to say it. He was Almost our, very, years, guess, he was yeah, our very first guest on the radio, so <laughs> we have to say it. But, uh, Alex, thanks again for coming on. And My pleasure, guys. Congratulations, and, and yeah, uh, best well of luck. Yeah, well done again, Mike. Travel safe, Thank buddy. you very much. Nice to talk to you all. Talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Have a good one. Bye. Okay, did you hear him close it? He, he said, you all. Almost, yeah. y'all. We're, we we're got getting him. him trained. We're getting him there. I like it. He spent way too much time down here in Austin. That's true. And there's a neck of the woods. And by the way, um, we didn't belabor it because he is a modest guy, as we all know. Um, but, hey, 32 laps led, pole position. Uh, you get a point for pole position, two laps. You got 54 points. That's more than anybody scored in the whole season in terms of one race. Nice. Because you, you can win the race, but to have, you know, all of all of the other above to lead the race. I mean, led the most laps, all the rest of it. So it was a very emphatic win. And more importantly, he beat Scott Dixon in a Honda. In other words, same equipment, same yep. amount of push to pass. Uh, Scott was not under any, you know, um, holdback because he was, you know, he wants the points too with Joseph Newgarten at. So we saw a race win. Uh, and, and like I said, he, I know he hates being told the few winner and, he, you know, about that at the Indy 500. But this was this was a pure, pure win. You know, I, I'm disappointed that he hates it because it was good strategy. It was. He won. Everything was fair. And, you know, I, honestly, I'm so going to disagree with it. that. It's not so much he hates it. It's just I remember. It's when a little we were prickly. Indy, You're always it's remembered. A, pr- a little prickly. I, well, I guess I tell you why, because you remember media. You remember the media oh, day yeah, at 500. Yeah. Well, of course, it's interview after interview. So everybody's asking them the same question was, why? Hey, well, when are you going to win a race without, you know, yeah, the strategy? Yeah. And it kind of I think it, it got to him a little it's bit. It's a winning strategy. Yeah, exactly. I win it. Yeah. All right, Having guys. said that, last thing but not least. Nice that your teammate spins round to cause an all yellow <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> caution at just the right time. That was handy, wasn't hey, it? Hey, careful! Right. You just followed up a discussion about strategy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we got to take a break, guys. We uh, when we come back, we're going to have Inga Strecka, an interview we did with her talking about Formula One. We're going to spend a good bit of the next segment talking Formula One. Stick with us, live from Austin, Texas, Speed City.
Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself, Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. If you've ridden motorcycles in this part of the country for long, no doubt you know of Bud's Motorcycle Shop. Bud left this world a while back, but his legendary Harley service rides on. No longer is Bud's in downtown Austin, it is now Ravel's Heavy Duty, and they've moved out by the Formula One track. You'll see all the familiar faces, so bring in your new, used, and abused, but there's no sign of shiny showroom prices. So check it out at RavelsHeavyDuty.com. The racetrack, it's where legends are born, where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance. Such are the nameplates you'll find at Aston Martin of Austin, Lotus of Austin, Bentley Austin, and Rolls-Royce Motorcars. Austin exotic, iconic automobiles, whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey, because you're never just along for the ride. Highway 183 north of McNeil Road. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hi, this is Mario Andretti, and this is Speed City. All right, so we talked IndyCar. Wait, Les has got his hey, hand up. You have a question? You, yeah, sorry, this isn't school. <laughs> Congrats, Mario Andretti just got recognized oh, yes, for a big motorsports. Oh, yeah. You can put your hand up for that. Well yeah, done. That well was done, people, way. Kaiser. Congrats, uh, Sit down now, Papa Andretti. What, do you remember? Did you get the award? Do you know what it is off the top of your head, or we're going to have no, to look I, it up? I, 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 yeah, whatever. It was I, mentioned. Yeah, Lee Diffie mentioned it on the show. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a big, huge kind of lifetime achievement type award. So. And he deserves all of it. All right, so we're going to talk Formula One in a minute, but we're also just want to give you a heads up. We're going to talk some WEC because the six hours of Mexico just wrapped up about, I don't know, an hour ago or so. I also want to, before we finish with Indy, just want to kind of remind everybody what the situation is. Rossi, with that win, is mathematically now in sixth place, a possibility with double points at Sonoma, uh, 50 for a win, et cetera, et cetera, with the extras. He's less than 100 behind the leader, Joseph Newgarden, who, of course, had a, a crash today. He's on 560. Dixon's very much in it, looking for a fifth title. He's three behind. Elio, the man who's never won the title, <laughs> but he's won the Indy 500. In third place, Pagano, last year's champion. He's there. Will Power, always a champion. He's there. Okay, math magician. Uh, math you, magician. You did, I like that. You did all that. Now tell me what has to happen for Rossi to win. <laughs> Well, what happens, right, it needs an obtruse angle followed by a Sonoma snowball. Basically, everybody well, had I, him. I thought it was going to be one of the John Madden responses. Well, he's got to score more points than the others. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, two years ago, this happened, uh, and there was exactly the same number, which included Montoya, Ray Hall, and a few others, and no one mentioned Scott Dixon because no one expected him to win. And you're right, everybody fell by the wayside. Uh, power got knocked out. Um, somebody else didn't make it Montoya broke down Ray Hall didn't get high enough and Dixon took the championship oh okay then all right well hey let's jump in I want to go to Formula One and I want to start with the interview you and Inga Strecka did because you guys cover a lot of the ground but it's you know it was not the most exciting but there was lots of cool stories yeah, especially yeah. if you go past I think the dominant story was the word dominance and that is Mercedes looked 
insanely fast today. Mm. The way Botas went around the Ferrari cars yeah. at the beginning of the race and went straight to the front behind uh, Hamilton, it was just like, wow, those cars are fast. But but let's go ahead and play that with Inga Strecker. Okay, Speed City fans, another race in the books, the famous Monza, and we have on the line, as always, Inga Strecker, who has been following the action very closely indeed. Um, Inga, we've done a few Monzas in our time. It's always a great atmosphere, but it seems like it's almost growing. Um, the scenes at the end of the race this weekend were pretty special, weren't they? Absolutely, Johnson. Hey there. And buongiorno, as they say, in Monza. <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, it was just amazing. A sea of red, of people cheering underneath the podium. And even Lewis Hamilton said it. He said it before. He said, this podium is special because the podium is just like basically built to be hanging over the start finish straight. And when there's tens of thousands of fans after the race running down to be there, to be cheering on, there was like red smoke, red flags, red clothing, people, unbelievable. And then those massively big Ferrari logo, um, I don't know what there are, banners pulled across the entire racetrack on the start finish straight with the um, black prancing horse on yellow. It's just a breathtaking atmosphere. And a special, special weekend for Lewis Hamilton. I mean, he breaks the qualifying record when, you know, with all those delays and the rain and, some, uh, and so on, and then wins the race and takes the championship lead in the back garden, effectively, of Ferrari. Uh, that's job done, isn't it? Absolutely. I wouldn't even see back garden. I would see, like, the living room, the front yard, <laughs> you know. And um, actually, you know what? A nice touch. Lewis, I think, dedicated this his pole record to Michael Schumacher, yeah. who held the record before him. That was a very, very nice touch in the land of Ferrari. Is this the turning point, then? Do you feel now that Mercedes have got the impetus to go all the way, or a Ferrari going to answer, a Red Bull going to answer in Singapore? Well, look, I think it's the turning point in a way that we are going to expect or can expect the most exciting upcoming races until the final I pray for it that it will not be decided until Abu Dhabi, and I think that's how it's going to be. Wouldn't it be absolutely fantastic if it would be swinging back forth between Hamilton and Vettel now every race? And um, mind you, this is the first time this year we've had a back-to-back win. Yeah, good point. Uh, there's no question that, uh, in my mind, Lewis has definitely uh, got his act to the point where he and Botas are working together to win that championship. Um, and obviously Raikkonen is now helping uh, um, Vettel, but I, I do think that uh, the impetus is with Mercedes, and once uh, Lewis gets in this mood, it's really hard to... Um, I, think, I think the only thing that can distract Lewis now is, is the form of Verstappen, Ricardo, uh, you know, and a few others. Huh? We will see. I think Sebastian Vettel, you can really... I, I can tell, like, I look at him and the way he moves and stuff... Um, he was happy. Yeah. He saw him on the podium, you know, um, that, that was that was genuinely happy. And he even said, look, the next race, Singapore, I think that's a better one for us. We'll maybe turn it around. Um, and he also, you have to keep that in mind, he didn't, he, he was disadvantaged in, in qualifying with all that rain and everything, um, him and um, Kimi Raikkonen only behind. And um, also he had a problem with his steering 
at the very beginning of the race, he admitted he had a crack and um, he had to go through the escape road and uh, lost quite a bit of time there. And then, of course, it wasn't all um, perfect. So I think, really, Fettel can challenge him again. And um, maybe he can snatch back the, the championship lead next race and then maybe goes back to Hamilton. Who knows? Another footnote, though, like I said, an important weekend. Is it an important weekend also for, for Fernando Alonso? Another DNF. Is this the death knoll or is he going to stick with it? What do you, what's, you know, you were up there at Monza. What do you think? What's the inside scoop on, on what you think is going to happen both to McLaren and to Alonso? I know I've asked you before, but it, it's ongoing, isn't it? I hear the rumours being very strong that he could go to Williams. I hear very strong rumours for that. Um, um, and that could see maybe Ocon moving to Renault. Um, I also hear rumor Alonso going to Renault, but I think the Williams, for me, the Williams rumor is stronger. Or maybe he'll stay at McLaren, but he said he'll only stay if they're going to be competitive. He has denied the rumor that he has said he'll only stay if they ditch the Honda. Um, he said, I did never say that. Um, there are rumors that Honda might move to Toro Rosso. Well, Jonathan, I want to follow that straight up. Open up the silly season. Yes, with hmm. the silly season discussion. And by the way, the rest of that uh, Inga interview is up on our SoundCloud account as of about 15 minutes ago, so you can check yeah, that. Yeah, we tweet it out. Yep. And uh, but I want to. We're going to have lots more F1 discussion. But I want to start with the silly season. I think a good way to start this will to be a play another short clip from Fernando Alonso because. At the end of it. And remember what Inga just said, because he didn't mention that. He, he, he does a pivot. <laughs> yeah, he did not mention Williams. He did no, not mention, yeah. But so, I find that very interesting. Yeah, that's the, that was very interesting. All right, let's hear uh, Fernando Alonso. Uh, yeah, difficult. I think uh, disappointment for, for McLaren. Um, for, uh, you know, the, the bosses were here today and we could not deliver a, a points result for them. So, yeah, uh, hopefully on the next one we can do a better job. What's next for Fernando Alonso? Well, I'll keep uh, keep looking uh, what options are there for next year. I think uh, maybe in the next coming week some news um, will be out uh, for, for McLaren. Some news that we saw yesterday for the LMP1 category uh, for the WEC. Some news also for the um, IndyCar with Andretti, uh, keeping Honda as a supplier and uh, the new bodywork and things like that. So, you know, many news are coming in the next, uh, uh, in the next weeks and uh, hopefully all of them uh, will be useful for me to make a decision. Jonathan Green, I need your thoughts on all of the above. <laughs> all of the above, yeah. Um, I do find it interesting because I hadn't really given a lot of thought to the Williams idea. And what I mean by that is I kind of was like, you know, Fernando's out of that. You know, Williams don't buy big drivers. They don't pay a lot of money for drivers. That said, Fernando isn't really looking for money. He's looking for a competitive car. And a Williams Mercedes would be just that. Massa uh, came back from retirement um, for, uh, you know, because Botas left. So Massa's not going to stay on forever. Uh, Fernando needs a ride. Um, Williams aren't stupid, uh, and I don't. I, I think nor is Fernando. So if Fernando is going to stay in Formula One, that Williams drive is a very good possibility. The other ones, Renault, don't believe that um, because I just don't see it. Um, I think that more likely that Ocon move uh, for Renault. Uh, but here's another one. James Allen put this one. How about this for a twist? How about um, and this was announced on Friday. 
and this opens all of it up because it's manufacturers again, or at least it's engines again, Toro Rosso are now looking at taking over the Honda deal. And in return, McLaren would get Renault engines. Okay. But also in that deal, Renault, the factory team, would take Carlos Sanz from Toro Rosso and put him in the car instead of Jolien Palmer. Well, we've come to a spot. We've got to take a break. But this is there's a lot more to this discussion. There's actually a lot more in F1 that I want to talk about. But we're also going to talk uh, FIAWC here in just a minute, World Endurance Championship. We're going to take this break. And we also have an interview with a Pirelli World Challenge driver who was out at Coda today. So stick with us after the break. Listen to Speed City live in Austin, Texas. Back after these messages. Envy Augusta motorcycles are the epitome of Italian style, precisely crafted with a passion for two-wheel art on wheels. Ducati Austin are the only MV Augusta and Ducati factory authorized technicians in Austin, servicing all European brands. Check the Brutali Sport Naked, the most extreme essential naked bike ever. Or the Turismo Veloce 800, the first revolutionary tourer to be built by MV Augusta. Or if you want a pedigree steeped in racing, then look no further than the World Supersport winning triple F3, 675 and 800. Or go all out for the ultimate legendary F4 MV Augusta. Italian style with Texas soul. Trade-in, consignments welcome and financing available. To Caddy Austin and the home of MV Augusta at 818 Breaker Lane, just east of I-35. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. This is David Hobbs, and you're listening to Speed City. David Hobbs and Lee Diffie. Lee Diffie did the double today. He did the double. <laughs> that He's, was pretty cool. He, yeah, they got him running around. They, and I think, he, I think uh, if I heard him correctly, he actually did fly to one, to the right, the oh, second yeah. race. Yeah, he, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah was, none of the studio calling it in. He tweeted a oh, picture no. of himself inside the plane. He was making the rounds. All right, well, Jonathan, before we go to WEC, I, I still want to talk Formula One. There's too, too much happening. I want you to continue. Well, I wanted you, yeah, the other part of the equation is that Friday morning, a deal was done with Sauber for um, Ferrari engines for 2018. And they already have Ferrari engines, but they had a lower spec or an older spec. Uh, and now they're getting the full 2018 spec, which is effectively equal to Haas. So, and also in that deal could come the possibility of a Ferrari junior driver like Leclerc or Giovinazzi, who's had some t- time under the wheel, but uh, everybody's talking about Charles Leclerc. Uh, this could be an opportunity. Put him in the Sauber team. Yeah, there you go. Ferrari junior driver, and there is a thought that he could also be uh, railroaded straight through in 2018, 19, I mean, to the Raikkonen seat at Ferrari. Well, and a lot of that leads back to the comments by Gene Haas this weekend. Yes. You know, you, you can take them quite a different few different ways there so if you didn't hear the comments from gene and we'll try to find them and get them out there but um 
the short version is he commented on how thick the competition is after the first four places in the series. And so it really is. It's anybody's game in the mid-pack, and they're beating up on each other. You know, Haas is doing well, but uh, one, I think he's learning a little reality that F1's not as easy as, you know, some might have thought, but he's handled it really well coming in. The strategy of the team's been there, but here we are in the middle. What was your take on it, Jonathan? Yeah, I, I, it was actually a, a depressing kind of interview because Gene has been so positive about being in Formula One for the right reasons, and I think that the time they took away from not jumping at the you know into the, uh, the season earlier a couple of years ago, uh, and then waiting till last season and look what they did last season. They've they've kind of capitalized on that this season again, more points, and they're going better than ever. And they could still beat Toro Rosso, but as Gene, I mean, the way I listened to it, Gene said, "I'm not just going to do this." for the heck of it, and be midfield forever. Um, I mean, he's got his own sponsorship on the car right now, but sure. it will be hard to attract a blue-chip sponsor, especially an American one, if you really can't guarantee a win. Well, yeah. you know, all I have to say, I'm surprised that Magnussen is the one that's led with all the points on the, for the team. Not yeah. all the points, but he's got a majority of them. So that surprises me. But, you know, Grosjean is still an amazing driver, mm -hmm. but... Uh, more of Grosjean being an amazing driver and still being midfield with first-rate Ferrari drivetrain still raises the question, what's it going to take to shake it up? It's a very good point. Um, and I think Gene was uh, you know, alluding to the fact that, that you know, that, that really there's, there's a group of the top four. There's a great midfield battle between themselves, Sauber, uh, McLaren, I suppose, if you put them in the same box. But... Um, you know, it's going to take money. It's as simple as that. Um, you I know. got a question for you. Speaking of money, this just occurred to me. You know, that, that, that I knew that's what you were going to lead up to. Of course it takes money. That's the big thing. And would you ever be able to compete with the money that Mercedes has? Would you? And then the question I'm going to ask you, Jonathan, would you ever be able to compete with the money that Ferrari has and the disproportionate amount of money that Ferrari gets is that going to change under liberty? Is it, should that change? Aha, the uh, pursuit that... of liberty. Yes, <laughs> uh, I, I really do think so. I think this is. I think this is Gene. It's this is step one of Gene's kind of guys. We got to look at the model here, uh, and I really do think that's the problem with Formula One is that it's it, it is skewed. It's been a brilliant model and, and what business I'm... model, but it's been always skewed towards um, heavier investment. And whoever's got the best engine, which is fine. But look at the way NASCAR runs. Look at the way IndyCar runs. Uh, everybody's got a chance to win um, on any given Sunday. And I think that Formula One, if it's going to, to, to go, you know, if it's going to be competitive throughout, it needs to change, a you know, in some ways, especially in the distribution of the money. Um, I think it should be more of an NFL type type thing if it can be possibly done it's going to take a lot of change that and and you might turn around and go well mercedes don't want any part of that nor do ferrari yeah and and i know that by the way i, I think to everybody who's interacting on twitter wally and lisa and vicky and everybody else and if and if you want to jump in on this just shoot us a tweet that's call easy us. Way. or call us vicky, yeah, give five, us a call 512-643-LIVE uh, but but the the argument, I think, you tell me, Jonathan, I'm, I'm way newer to Formula One than you, but the argument to me about Ferrari getting more money than yeah. than the other teams has been, what's good for Ferrari is good for Formula One, right? It yeah. is Ferrari, and 
It's but, but is iconic that, is, is and that all something, that. But, yeah, but is that something that goes back to 1950 and we need to get ahead of it? I mean, yeah, you know, so the Green Bay Packers point. used to be, I mean, the, you know, everybody used to say the Steelers were the only team and America's team is, is the Cowboys, all that sort of stuff. Is that not a little dated in this modern era? And I think that that's a good parallel, to be honest. I really do think that Formula One, and look at the, look at the way that Formula E has taken off and look at the manufacturers that are going to Formula E and it is a problem. Yep. But Mercedes, Porsche... Uh, BMW, um, names you know, like Andretti, and Andretti, uh, you know, all of these teams. So, you know, the, these guys have got to watch their business. They've got to keep an eye on how the business is is developing, how Formula One's developing. I think Liberty have jumped in and done a really good job of rectifying the social media and the sort of inclusiveness that Formula One needed. Um, but this is just the first step. I mean, big business, all of the big business, whether it be NBA, whether it's the Olympics, whether it's soccer, all needs to look at himself because we're all now competing for TV to time. And, you know, it's not going to change. Sure. And it's changing dramatically. The, the Well, I think, you know, part of it is you had told us how easy it is to watch Formula One in, in UK. Yeah. I think that's a, a plus we need to get to is uh, it more prevalent, more accessible here in North America, mm-hmm. you know, if it's absolute free to air or at least have it on more than only NBCSN, I don't know what the answer is. But uh, the other, back to the teams, my thoughts are, you know, when when you bring a new employee in and it's a performance-driven position, they have a ramp up where you come in and it's like, okay, you get six months, you get a year or whatever to get your sales tor- territory up or whatever it is. And so what if Formula One considered something of, you get two years to get up to speed. We're going to give you a little bit of you know compensation that usually just goes to the top four finishers to get you rolling here. You know, it's not unprecedented. Think about my question to you last week about Ducati. Mm-hmm. You know, remember a couple of years ago when they had the different classes in MotoGP? That's right. They gave him a dispensation. You know, gave him yeah. the flexible. Right. They yep. gave him that. They actually they bent the rules or not bent. They changed the rules a little bit to where. Ducati had a, a little more of an, of an advantage. So. Yeah. Had an extra leader, had, you know, a few other things. I think that is something that uh, might be considered. I think it worked out very well for Ducati, sitting here wearing a Ducati shirt. But, uh, <laughs> well, and but I to do be think- quite honest, I think that was a great way to get Ducati to come play in the field. And why not do that in Formula One to get somebody up in it? Now, I understand that. You know, part of it, uh, I'd have to question the relationship between Ducati and the privateer Ducati teams versus Mercedes and the non-Mercedes teams, how information is going to play back. Because I can just imagine a shell game of Mercedes going, hey, Jonathan, you want to come have an F1 team in Formula One? And here's our agreement. We're going to provide you an engine, but we're going to use some extra whatever, the flexibility that you get on your team to our benefit. It's tricky, and it really is. And I mean, just to put one potted history in here to kind of give you a full perspective, uh, BAR, or BAT, British American Tobacco, and BAR with Honda a few years ago with Jack Villeneuve at the helm went racing with Jensen Button and all the rest of it. And they didn't, Honda, you know, they didn't achieve what they wanted to there either. That then became Braun because they bought it for a, a, a song and a prayer. They bought it for a dollar. Ross Braun bought the team, kept Jensen. They then turned into Mercedes. Now they're a factory team, and now look where Mercedes are. Remember your history, guys. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, while while you know while you're right to criticize, not criticize, that's the wrong way. We're not really criticizing. We're talking about it. But But what I'm saying is even the mighty Mercedes of today were not 
that 10 years ago when they started out in Formula One with Michael Schumacher struggling in the Mercedes and everybody saying, what are you doing? Why are you, well, he's, you know, he's, oh, well, he started in sports cars here, so he's trying to help Mercedes. And everybody said, well, it's a joke because they're nowhere. And this is not a good legacy for Michael driving a very slow car. Um, I remember those days. Yep, that's a good point. <laughs> so, you know, it swings around. McLaren won, like we said, uh, 15 of the 16 races back in the 80s with Prost and Senna in a Honda McLaren. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's pretty crazy to think about. Yeah, Wait. so it, it oh. is swings around about. I think the problem with Formula One compared to some, some of the other things we were talking about is the history. Um, and, and Ferrari being the most powerful team in Formula One, as it were, uh, and also the way the teams came together under Bernie Eccleston to effectively grow the sport together, using the promotion of the sport, using advertising, which had never been done in the early 70s when Bernie took over. So, you know, the model is what was brilliant for when they started out. It may not be going forward the perfect solution. And I think I'd love to hear what other people's opinions are on this because I think we are going through a changing period in Formula One for the good, I may add, but I think the model may change. Well, it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, there's, before we leave F1, we got to jump quickly, but <laughs> I got to mention what it was fascinating to watch. Ocon and oh, Lance yeah. Stroll do so well this weekend. That's really, really good. And it's really good for the future, isn't it? Absolutely. What made me think of it was when you said Jacques Villeneuve. By That's the way, that, another little, little footnote, Williams... Martini sponsorship. They need a driver over the age of at least 21 because they can't market Stroll. He's 18. And oh, they are an right. alcohol. So they can't use him for publicity, you know, adorned with, with a drink in his hand. I mean, Martini's old funny. logo used to be anytime, any place, anywhere. That's Try a taste funny. of Martini. So they need they need they need a Fernando. That's who's an at least old enough twist. to drink. <laughs> that's that's pretty good. All right, let's talk some WEC. WEC in Mexico, coming to Austin soon. but Two in, weeks, 10 days. Yep, in, uh, in, in Mexico today. What'd you yeah. think? Um, yeah, I mean, good. Uh, it's, it's good to see Mercedes performing all the way to the end, as it were. Another win for the big boys. Um, and across the board, great to see in the GTs, Aston Martin getting their first win of the year. Uh, and also the competition in LMP2, obviously heating up nicely. Uh, Bruno Senna having a good run um, and also having a good battle, probably one of the closest one. I think it was 25 seconds in the end um, uh, to, to, to the finish of that. And also uh, Matteo Caroli, who we did an interview with uh, yeah. for the GTM class. Um, he had a victory and uh, they are rolling on. So, yeah, some, some good stories all the way through. Uh, we hope to have some. I spoke to Andy Prio uh, pre-Mexico. I also spoke to Matteo uh, Correa, as I said, Corelli, as I said, and we'll also be hopefully speaking to Mike Conway and a few others on the way to Austin. Now they're all leaving Mexico, uh, and obviously they've got some time off. Some of them are coming to the States, um, and some of them are going on holiday, but um, hopefully we'll hear more from the white boys. Yeah, you I bet. wondered how Porsche, you know, winning today. I just wondered, you know, when did you talk about leaving the sport? Obviously, all that team still fully committed, obviously, so they did good. So One thing I am concerned about, obviously, looking at the new wet calendar, is the lack of the Circuit of the Americas on that calendar. Um, that's bad news. But they have gone for a two-year um, calendar, which effectively, I think quite rightly, puts Le Mans as their Super Bowl. And this two-year, this is a correction of two years, so they can yeah. put Le Mans at the end of the season. Correct. So, in other words, you'll start it with the normal preamble uh, next year in 2018, you go to Le Mans in June as normal, but the the actual season is short is shorter in the number of races, but um, it will finish at next June, 
June 19 in Le Mans. And there is a TBC in February before Sebring. So, maybe. so the Americas may be there. <laughs> but that, that's February of 19. Yes, that's correct. And uh, that, So there is a spot there if Coda were to somehow... Well, it makes sneak. sense. They're trying to save on um, shipping and so on. Yeah, and, Sebring. And air freight. So Sebring's in Florida, so why not? Sebring's right after March. that. Yeah, right, so in it's in March. So that would make sense. So there is some hope. Or Daytona. But you can't have a yeah. full Daytona and a wet race which is going to be interesting because the Sebring one, by the way, is going to be very interesting. For those of you who haven't read it, get your tickets for Sebring because oh, yeah. that is going to be the normal Sebring, which finishes at 10 o'clock. I can see Les is salivating. It <laughs> finishes at 10 o'clock at night, and then guess what? Have a couple of beers because at midnight, <laughs> on for another six hours comes the Wet Boys. Yeah, hey, I, I'm excited for it. And, you know, if y'all didn't make it out to Coda this weekend for the uh, Pirelli World Challenge, you definitely want to make it to this race. The Lone Star... Lamar is a great it's race. It's a good race. It is. Great race it, weekend. Here's, uh, yeah, and, it, and incredible cars and technology and racing. And yeah, it. I mean, you know, recall, these are the folks that race Lamar. They race the 24 hours, you know, there and at Daytona, they big the, the big Sebring race, all of that. The two-day weekend pass, it's a Friday and Saturday, you know, race weekend there, not on Sunday. Two-day pass is 79 bucks for that. I mean, we're talking world class. This was great racing this weekend, but this is a, another step up higher, and uh, you're going to recognize these names you know, from those big races. Definitely something to check out, but I will say that there's a lot more than just those guys running. Yeah, this I was about year, to say, uh, yeah, yeah, the single-seaters is also okay. very strong. I, I'm fired up for this V8 series. Yeah. The Formula V8 3.5, you know, this is going to be fun. Open wheel. And, yeah. and, and guess know, who won today? A fella called Fitty Paldi, his sixth <laughs> win. Yes, and you're right. It is that family, and it is that 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 uh, name, oh so famous, but the youngest version. <laughs> so we are getting a Fitty Paldi here. Let's hope Emerson joins him because he has been to the Circuit of the Americas. Oh yeah, but yeah, um, yeah it's the, it's the yeah. big boys of, of V8, and that's where Will Power came from. That's where Alexander Rossi came from. Well, you know so, what? Here's you know yep. here's an extra little thing. I know you know we still hear some some folks commenting on the turbo. Motors aren't as loud. Yeah. These are loud. These, These are, are very loud. loud, yeah. You know, this is the best bang for the buck for things from technology to loud, fast, cool cars, because really the, the technology and the racing are, is approaching the levels of F1, but you're going to get, you know, for less money, less crowd, uh, more access to the cars, all of that. And there's something for little Jimmy and little Jenny because F4 are racing too. So there will be a bunch of teenagers, young and up and coming, several of which are from Texas, who will be racing in F4 um, in you know the WEC weekend and will be coming back for the Formula One weekend. So if you're a single-seater um, you know, and you're looking towards the future of where the next Joseph Newgarden and Alexander Rossi's coming from, you'll see them at Cota. And, yeah. and you'll find them on Speed City. But yes, wait. Will. <laughs> but wait, that's not all. <laughs> oh, the Ferrari Challenge? You got Ferrari on? Challenge, Yay! buddy, you got it. <laughs> hey, yeah, definitely check it out. The 488 Challenge will be here, awesome. as well as the 450 and a few of the others. But definitely the 488 is Sammy Hagar's the entered, current. Right? <laughs> I tell you what, now I will say we're going we're gonna to keep our ears open because Sammy asked, if he could rent the track. And he goes, I've got some buddies. We'd like to bring some cars. And I know we'd have fun in this town. Oh, I could have fun with <laughs> Sammy and his mates. So, uh, I can hang out cars. with Sammy at yeah. Circuit of the Americas. We do a concert. They got it. They got an amphitheater. It all yeah. seems to work. All right, all right guys, we got to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we are going to have an interview we did with a young driver who was racing out at Circuit of the Americas today. Listen to Speed City. 
Live from Austin, back after these messages. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself, Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. If you've ridden motorcycles in this part of the country for long, no doubt you know of Bud's Motorcycle Shop. Bud left this world a while back, but his legendary Harley service rides on. No longer is Bud's in downtown Austin, it is now Ravel's Heavy Duty, and they've moved out by the Formula One track. You'll see all the familiar faces, so bring in your new, used, and abused, but there's no sign of shiny showroom prices. So check it out at RavelsHeavyDuty.com. The racetrack, it's where legends are born, where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance. Such are the nameplates you'll find at Aston Martin of Austin, Lotus of Austin, Bentley Austin and Rolls-Royce motorcars. Austin exotic, iconic automobiles whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey because you're never just along for the ride. Highway 183 north of McNeil Road. You've made the right choice. Talk 1370. Hi, this is Jeff Gordon, and you're listening to Speed City. I forgot we had old Jeff Gordon on the show. Oh, Jeff Gordon. Yeah, he was uh, hanging around in the F1 paddock. Uh, talked about you know his test drive years ago in one of them how much fun it was but uh, he just didn't think he was up to that well guys we've missed one of the biggest stories of the week we haven't talked about and that's valentino it's because i'm sad about I it i know it's really <laughs> scary i mean what and, and you know jonathan we were talking earlier you, you don't think he should be doing this I don't think, yeah, I don't think he should be uh, hooning around at, at, at large speeds and breaking his tibia and fibia um, when he's actually not on a MotoGP bike. No, I do not. Uh, and it's pretty much put paid to, and I say that on behalf of Yamaha Moto, you know, MotoGP. Because, Are you getting paid to say that? <laughs> yeah, well, no, but I mean, you know, I mean, to be honest, Formula One guys have absolute oh, clear, yeah. crystal clear things. You I'm cannot surprised. water ski, you cannot snow ski, you cannot skateboard. Um, and you know, or hang out with Les you, well, that that that, that should be in anybody's contract. Wait a minute, that, that's on, that's only uh, uh, Mr. Roberts because he runs me over, and I can understand Alex. You know, uh, Valentino Rossi, you knock him off the bike, I, Jonathan. See, yeah, seriously, you're under peril. You never know yeah. what amateurs you're going to come across. You're a hypocrite. I am a hypocrite. I knocked the the guy off himself. Yeah, but um, but he won in it, he did know, what was me. that Brazil or Argentina? He, he won did. after knocking some other that's right rider off. Uh, guy, yeah. guy, yeah, the world champion. No, no, it's a bad news story because he was fourth in the title uh, chase. He has badly uh, broken his leg in two places. Um, he's at a hospital, um, but we're really talking. The doctors are advising 30 to 40 days rest. Well, huh. 
I expect wow. it to be something like 10, and I expect him to hobble back, just as Mick Doohan did back in the, the, the hey, heydays of his career. Um, but either way, he's going to be secondhand. And funnily enough, Rossi's had very, very few motor racing in this incidents uh, in his career. Most of his injuries seem to be when he's not actually riding professionally. Mm, yeah. Well, we're going to jump into this next interview we did with a young gentleman who was racing out at Circuit of the Americas in the Pirelli World Challenge earlier today. And his name is Nate Stacy, and he's he's a 17-year-old. He's been uh, been, been with a, us before. He's been with us before. He's been racing a long time. So let's hear this interview with Nate Stacy. Hey, Nate, are you there? I'm here. Welcome to Speed City. How was the Circuit of the Americas this afternoon? Sounds like a good day. It was a good day. Uh, we had a, a pretty good start. I uh, cleared a couple of rows and uh, got up to, uh, we were at P7 for a while, but uh, at KTM and that Lotus got by us, and uh, we finished uh, P8. Well, you know, it was a pretty hot day when I was out there, and how did that play out? I, noticed, I felt like the humidity was really changing back and forth uh, according to the breeze yesterday. So uh, how did that play into your strategy today? Yeah, we uh, we looked at some of the readings on the McLarens from our sister team, and they were looking at some different sensors they have on their car. And apparently, over in the hairpin, the humidity was actually not as bad as over by the front straightaway, which was kind of odd. But uh, the humidity definitely plays an effect. It takes our horsepower away. It makes the car uh, burns tires off a little bit more. It uh, makes us have a little bit less fuel efficiency, which is actually kind of odd. You wouldn't think that would have an effect on it, but uh, um, yeah, it, it definitely plays. Uh, it, it jacks with all of our systems. Yeah, well, I think that probably is reflective of the environment around the the topography, if you will, of the landscape. Because back in the hairpin, it's it's a little more flat. You're not getting as much wind move around back there. So, uh, my guess is you've got a little bit of that going on to to affect that. So, yeah, with that, how do you how do you accommodate that? Um, really, to be honest, everyone's dealing with it, so you just drive uh, to the best of your ability into that corner and into that section, and whether your car handles better or not, um, you can definitely go back and look at the times, and certain cars would drop, and every other car would be affected somehow, whether it be more or less, just depending on the car and where they're at when it happens. But uh, to be honest, the humidity is constantly changing. It's not a, it's not a solid set thing that day, so um, it's definitely just adapt as much as you can. It's, it's not going to change the handling effect of your car. It may make the track a little bit greasy, but other than that, it won't, it won't do too horrible much. You don't really notice it too much unless you're looking for it. Nate, I'm always interested how drivers get to where they are, and you're pretty much a baby of the championship in the Pirelli World Challenge, and, uh, but, of course, you've done stuff before that. But you grew up watching your dad race here in Texas, right? Yeah, my dad raced all over, uh, all over the south U.S. He raced over, down in Texas, up into Colorado, all over Oklahoma. And uh, it's funny you say that I'm a baby in the series. That's uh, I've been around in the series now. I've raced for I've raced for six years, and I've raced professionally now for four years. And uh, this is my fourth year professionally racing. And uh, it's kind of funny because uh, compared to most of the other guys that are in my <laughs> class, uh, besides Lawson Oshenbach and uh, Ian James, it's like there's not many other guys who are more experienced or have more years than me in the car. It just depends on what kind of car you're driving and how you are on the championship right now. Um, my teammate Rodrigo Batista has been racing for a good while, and. Uh, He's driven uh, GT3 cars, and he's racing a cup car over in Brazil. So he definitely has a, he has a pretty good edge on that cup car, on the uh, Cayman, for sure. So it's been a really good learning experience for me. Uh, still just a tiny bit behind in time, but we looked at sectors, and uh, according to our best sectors, on uh, we were, I was only about two tenths behind him, two or three tenths behind him. So uh, definitely improving, and I think for next year, I think we'll be really good. 
We, as you well know, we have lots of different other races coming to the Circuit of the Americas from Formula One to MotoGP. Um, and it just seems, and we've got wet coming in a couple of weeks, a lot of people, a lot, a lot of drivers, it's almost unanimous, like the circuit. In terms of PWC, how much is a, of a challenge is this particular layout compared to where else you race? Um, this track is actually not that hard of a track to get a handle on. There's a couple little things here and there, and the track's gotten rougher over the years. I feel like they're going to need to repave it before Formula One gets in. There's some really, really uh, big bumps and some crowns that are right at apex in a couple corners, and uh, it definitely makes it a couple, kind of scary. It's in a couple of radical cars into the wall. Yeah, Jonathan, I think he misunderstood what you meant. He's a baby of the oh, series. Of the another, series, not yeah. a baby in. Yes. Yeah, well, well, we have the <laughs> well, full... Well, he is 17, though. So. I, it's true. It's hard. You know, he's he's 17. He's probably a little sensitive. It's like all 17-year-olds. <laughs> but but we'll have the full interview for, of that with Nate Stacy up on our uh, our SoundCloud account. That's And that's a good point. Make sure you check out our SoundCloud. We put lots of uh, clips that don't make it to the show and that don't make it to our podcasts either. So they don't, and there's don't... usually Les's ramblings and thoughts for, <laughs> for a whole week, uh, you know, cause we don't get time to get all of them in. Exactly. <laughs> He's giving me one of those Les looks. <laughs> yeah. And make it's sure at you... a lower volume. You don't have to put the radio in the next room to listen to it though. Special podcast. Les uh -huh. is more. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in tonight. Check us out on our website, speedcitybroadcast.com. Thanks for hitting us on Twitter as well. Talk to you next week. Ciao. Happy trails. Someone to love. Someone to love. Sweetheart to miss. Sweetheart to miss. Sugar to kiss. Sugar to kiss. I need you, you, you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.